Finally, the six of us are here, except for Troy, so we get to roast him again. And we're going to talk about something uh, very important, how to be a good player. If we're being honest, something probably none of us are actually good at. But we do hope that this is a learning opportunity and we can give people ideas of how to be a better player at a table for your GM. So, starting this off... Better player than yeah. us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Don't make our mistakes. So we're here to make you better players than we are. So I guess the first question, sorry, Jess, I'm stealing your typical jump in and ask the first question. No, love it. Is what does make a good RPG player? I will start. Um, The first thing that comes to mind for me is someone who is really invested. Someone who is excited to be there and be a part of the story. Um, The more excited about the story you are, um, the more fun you're going to have and the more fun your GM is going to have fucking with you mm-hmm. uh, in, in fun ways and in sad ways if you torment your character like we tend to do. Uh, so just be excited, be ready to have fun in whatever weird way it tends to happen. 100%. I feel like that makes the biggest difference. I, th- I think that's the biggest advice of anything that we could probably go over today is just be invested in the game. I was going to go along the same lines of um, be invested and kind of for the player to kind of take action about that too. Like find ways where your character and your character story can be integrated with whatever the main storyline is or whatever the adventure is that's going on. Like find find ways that your par- character's personal, either backstory or their future or, you know, people that are important to them or values that are important to them are integrated into that. And ways that you are connected and integrated with your fellow party members. Mm-hmm. I've said, I think I mentioned this in several different uh, podcasts and episodes. One of my personal pet peeves is when like you have a table of players and every single one of them is only invested in their own character and in their own story. So, and they have like no interest in each other whatsoever. They do not care. That is, that is dreadful to run as a GM. And it does not produce the greatest play experience for the players either, if we're being honest. So, um, look at the other player characters and the other PCs at the table and try to give a crap <laughs> about them and their stories. <laughs> yeah. And what, what I would add to piggyback on like everything that's been said is be involved, be invested, be interested in your other players, which is important. And all of that has to come from a place of, and I think this is a very good role-playing tip, be willing to be vulnerable a little bit, I think is, is, is a good one, is a good way to put it. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you don't have to have the superhero who never fails at anything. Uh, you don't have to have the perfect much character. Much fun than you do. Fail, you don't actually. have to play like, yeah, you don't have to play like the super cool James Bond or Conan guy. It's much more fun to play someone who is a hero with the clay feet and fails and has, you know, emotions and maybe gets hurt because uh, that's part of the story. And that's a lot more fun uh, than, you know, being invulnerable. And I think when you have a lot of those issues that you're talking about, Amber, where people are just kind of invested in that, it's really to protect themselves at the table, right? Mm-hmm. They want to have like the super cool guy. And there's you have a whole that, table of Gary yeah. Stews and Mary right. Stews, and, you're and there's like, there's Why? an ego, there's an ego, there's being there's an ego that's being protected there, and and you know everybody starts with that because you're you know maybe you're playing with people you don't know or maybe you're just getting into the hobby, but as time goes on, let that go because you're going to have such a better experience when you let that go. Yeah, a, a point that I want to make on your point there, Christian, is is really good, but it's not necessarily foolproof advice, but make flawed characters. Eventually, like you said, mm. yeah, you'll you'll be less 
invested in that power fantasy if that's even the genre you're playing because in some games i mean like you can't be a power gamer in something like call of cthulhu right you like it's not possible so but you can try <laughs> or like bluebeard's bride or bluebeard's bride or yeah games like a lot of horror games right like they don't make you powerful because that's the point but even then flaws are important in those games if you play a character who does have a character trait personality trait that might get them into trouble that might not be the most um, smart thing to do if you were a real person, but if you're playing a game, you know, those make for great mm. moments that you can really uh, yeah. develop and run, come up with fun Fallout 4. Run up yeah, the stairs in a horror game. Yeah. And they, they give your, uh, your, your team members a chance to react to your bad decisions and your flaws and to invest in interacting with you and improving you or uh, criticizing you or dealing with the fallout of the bad choices and things that you have done. <laughs> um, and that can that can be really, really fun and uh, enriching. Yeah, I have I, another note yeah. about that, which is a great thing that I've found players that have been at my tables have done is find ways to just prompt scenes with other player, other characters, PCs in that game. Like, take a step back. If you're not doing a dungeon crawl and literally every corner is a potential battle, you know, take a second to say, hey, my character is going to sit down and have a conversation with this other character about something in-game that I was interested in, and I think that we can, you know, work something out with their character. The paladin's like, Rogue, we need to talk. <laughs> well, that's interesting you say that, because we, we had, we just had, it. I just said something to Sarah in the game we had yesterday where I'm playing, I'm playing this very flawed character in our game who is uh, Ivar, who is a dwarven rogue, who's basically just a disaster and, uh, but a very charming one. Often uh, is succeeds with the help of his friends, put it that way. And and the joke yesterday was, you know, he he was attacked by a mimic, knocked down to zero hit points, healed by Sarah's character, the cleric, got right up and was like, I'm gonna kill this fucker. Ran right in and got knocked down to like negative eight hit points. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that's me. I run into Stay trouble. Uh, that's me. Is I will yeah. just be the person who goes, Leroy Jenkins. I know this is an episode about talking about how to be a better player, but I do want to bring up because again, we are a DMs after dark. We are here as six DMs and we do a lot of DM advice as well, like how to run games. I think that part of being a good player is working with your GM and the GM can set expectations for the game that you're going to play in something like a session zero, which again, we've talked about extensively at this point. But if you know what kind of game the GM wants to play, you can make a character who's going to engage with that kind of story. Fit into the game. Yes, please. Gosh, do not... Do not make a character with this wild, nothing to do with anybody or anything side arc that you're totally invested in you're gonna be like a fish out of water um it's the same reason why like it's so hard for a character to die uh ways into a campaign and then to introduce a new one that has nothing to do with anyone like you don't it's no good you don't want that (laughs) yeah or like you know maybe you have an idea for a character that you've loved for a long time a coastal or ocean druid right and then you find out that your whole campaign is going to take place in a desert well fuck i mean like you know you could still be a good player at the table but if your gm worked with you you could have pivoted that even just a little bit and be like hey like what are the chances there's like people who sail the sand seas can i like shift just a little bit and still have this kind of concept and then you know oasis druid 
you should have a compelling answer to uh, when the GM lays down the opening scenario for why are you here? <laughs> you should, it should not just be, oh, I was just wandering through mm-hmm. you. You should have a reason to be mm-hmm. here with these people. I was wandering in search of adventure. Doesn't work. I'm strictly here for the goal. Except in some games. That's not a compel. That's a reason, but it's not compelling. Oh, I know. I'm I was in the tavern. Could make that compelling if you had, say, uh, right. a powerful motivator behind needing that goal. Yeah. Suddenly, that's a lot more interesting. The entire premise but, of Electric Bastion yeah. Land is that you are a group of people mm-hmm. who are collectively in ten thousand money units debt, like. That's it. That's the whole premise. Like, you know, no one's hiring you because you're in debt. You need to go take the dumb jobs and venture out into the dangerous places and come back with something that hopefully starts paying off your debt. You know what I mean? You're all in the same shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that sounds actually, too much like real life. Actually. With student loans. Why are you here student loans? <laughs> actually, that game is great because you don't have classes. You just have a failed career. That is legitimately your class. Is like, what did you fail at? Again, sounds too much like real life. Too much like real life. Well, it's an industrial fantasy, English so you can at least get a little cries. out of it. I say this as an English major. I'm going to go back in time and assassinate my, my, my guidance counselor. That's, a, you know, I know we weren't going to talk about games that do this well, but it's something that you just said it, we were talking about made me think of something. In a game we're going to be playing soon, Invisible Sun, where it's very player facing uh, players have a lot of agency. And one of the things they pick within that are their own character arcs when they design their characters. So as a GM, uh, you kind of know what people want uh, because they tell you and you know, hey, this is the game gonna gonna run uh, because it also connections to other characters in the group are part of that and you can share those arcs. So if Sarah's character is like, I wanna find the cool thing and Amber's character might be like, hey, I am gonna help her because she's my friend. And that's a perfectly valid arc for that game. And that's something that's kind of baked in. That's great. And actually, yeah. even if you're not playing a game that mechanically does that or does that in you know the rules setting up the game, which I don't think many do, which is why that's awesome. Nope. Can't wait to play Invisible Sun. But you can even think about that in any game you play. You know, Think about what it is. Do the, where do I see my character in three months? Where do I see my character in one year kind of thing? And you can kind of say like, you know, what matters to them? What are they chasing? What are they... What are they trying to do? Um, and sometimes it's as simple as, you know, I am with my friend here and we need to stop X, Y, and Z if it's, you know, published adventures or something like that. But yeah, what 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 does your character have? Work with what do GM. they think they need and what do they actually need? And it's more interesting if those last two are very different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should we talk about player versus character mm. knowledge? Because that could be a big yes. part of being a good player at the table. Uh, mm. So, yeah. No one likes has, a metagamer. Yeah, do no, one, <laughs> no one likes a metagamer. Um, you can't always have a table where it is easy to send secret messages back and forth to one another. Uh, so there may be times when only one character notices something, but the DM just tells the table as a collective. Obviously, you have to understand that if your character isn't the one that notices it they don't know it you just shouldn't assume that they do because one metagaming you don't you don't know that but two sometimes not knowing the thing makes it more fun 
You're like, oh, fuck, I'm about to get wrecked. Mm -hmm. Like, I know this. (laughs) But... (laughs) But Liam here does not. (laughs) It allows for a lot more character decisions, not only for your own character, but for the other characters. Like, we're in this area where we need to be really quiet and I see something up ahead. I don't know the message spell. How am I going to tell my friends and communicate this? Am I going to at all? So that inevitably can lead to a lot of weird fun and drama. It's a version of dramatic irony, right? Like where it's like dramatic irony is the audience knows something that the the character doesn't like where you all know something terrible is about to befall your characters. Enjoy that. Lean into it. It's great. <laughs> make it even more tragic and dramatic. You could even make it funny. Like you can, you know. Yeah. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean. About to eat shit here. <laughs> here we go. Well, we did that. Perfect example of that is the world famous making the plants grow episode we talked about in the romance one should but I mean there's an example where like everybody knew except my character what's going on and it was hysterical. Yeah, and it can also lead to those what great is this place? PC wow. moments that we talked about, like find ways yeah. to build those connections with people. And if you yep. as a player know something that only another character knows. Um, but your character doesn't, and you can interact with something that makes that an uncomfortable information that they have kind of thing you know what i mean like just prompt those awkward interactions where they need to uh talk to your character or you know i mean (laughs) warn them or or not do anything because their character knows something but the player does you know what i mean mind games (laughs) mind games chris angel mind free mind games (laughs) no sarah i think that you know (laughs) <laughs> the point. I broke Grady. We're dating ourselves. Oh, Chris <laughs> Even the youngest one among us is dating themselves right now. Oh man, I, I, it's is that? <laughs> well, no, yeah, I guess that is dated. Listen, dated. when was that? On? I'm legit leaving in at least one. Just ra- I'm just gonna copy and paste it somewhere random in the episode. You're just gonna hear Chris Angel mind freak. <laughs> 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 oh no. <laughs> I just listen to us. We're old. We know things. (laughs) Okay, so that ran from 2005 to 2010, which means here's here's where I make you all feel old. It ended the year I graduated middle school. (laughs) Wow, that's about right. Chris Angel was a thing when I was in high school. Anyway. Well, so to go back to what we were talking about, I was just going to add on. <laughs> Don't do this, guys. Try to not do derail. I'm cutting a lot of this. Get off Don't track worry. too much. <laughs> so much of this is just going to be mm-hmm. cut out and just. Mm-hmm. This is an example of what not to do at the game table. Please don't derail the focus of the game off the game constantly. Once in a while, that's fine. That's the nature of an RPG. That's why they're so much fun. But like, don't constantly Throw in bring up distractions and difference so that that actually comes in a couple of different forms that's a good that's a good point to talk about because sometimes you can derail the game with a funny joke and get people off on this tangent oh let me you know bring out my phone and show you this funny video that i thought of when you told that funny story don't don't bring out your phone just don't do it you know it's do that after the session yeah i was gonna say at what point do we kind of talk about like housekeeping stuff right that's kind of like outside of the actual gameplay but also kind of important as a player right in terms of like 
schedule and like knowing how your character works, right? Like knowing how your abilities actually work and knowing how to actually use your character. Um, and so I'm terrible at this. So as and knowing how to take no for an answer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm terrible at this, even though I'm about to like advise this, like definitely mm -hmm. learn the game, right? And it's very helpful when the DM is not the only person who knows the rules and knows the game and knows how to make characters. Like it's definitely helpful for other players who are playing the game to know that as well. I don't do this, but everyone else should. <laughs> no, that's a great point. Yeah, we've been talking about being a great player as a character in the game, but being a great player as a person at the table. You're right, Jess. I mean, take notes. Um, yeah, be respectful. Don't be on your phone. Know how your character works is so huge. Um, how often have we run games and you come around to someone after, and I'm going to be rude to 5e here, a 30-minute round of five people and two monsters or something, and you look to somebody and you go, oh, it's your turn again. What do you do? And they look at their character sheet like they're looking at a different language. And they don't have an answer. What are you going to do? You've been waiting here for 20 minutes. How do you use your turn? And then they try and do something that doesn't even follow the rules, you know? Yeah, it's so tough. Yep. It stops the flow of the game. You know, it delays things. And then the DM has to kind of like... Mm -hmm. kind of the DM does so much more talking than a DM should be comfortable with in that case you're like well you could do this or you could do this or you could do this just starts offering them options of things that are viable things to do which is like if the game is going nowhere the DM like has to do that to keep it moving but that is not ideal at all yeah that that is to say though no, no, it no, is no, okay no. to be new to a game oh yeah it is okay to be new to a character you know you you could play you know yeah one class for a long time and then suddenly you're a different one and it's kind of like relearning and that is that is fine take your time learn the class like this is not saying oh you have to know everything immediately no you don't and no one should expect you to but take your time to understand things and put effort into making sure you do and in that case it is preferable if the players are helping you out as opposed to the dm giving you options of things to do the dm is already talking a ton they're responsible for every npc every monster all this stuff like players help your struggling buddy out <laughs> don't put that on the dm too <laughs> yeah i was gonna add to that and say we talked a lot about like player and player like kind of character interactions but during the game itself too, look for opportunities to kind of work together right to kind of enhance something cool that someone is doing or like enhance their story and things like that i my favorite thing as a dm is when i see players kind of working together to accomplish something really cool right whether it's like a plan they've laid out or even just like someone doing like a really cool ability and they're like oh yeah you could add this like for flair you know i love that I mean, do we want to also talk about, like, housekeeping and, like, social contracts and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, that definitely ties into a couple of episodes we've had recently, which is, you know, obviously the very first one, the Session Zero. Those should be things that you are honoring at the table. If people have limits, people have lines and veils, and you've discussed what's off the table, don't... Don't be a don't dick. Don't be a dick. Yeah. In our romance episode, you know, the difference between pursuing a romantic entanglement in the game and being awkwardly you know forward or whatever at the table very different things um you know respect your other players and please please don't harass your friends or strangers yeah. don't don't harass anyone <laughs> um i will note this this was troy's big tip uh hygiene <laughs> please be hygienic <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's an unspoken kind of like one. Life but everybody advice. knows what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, life yeah. advice. It's gamers. That's true. It, mm -hmm. it does a lot of this is life advice anyway, Jess. Snacks. 
Snacks, very important. Please don't like if whoever's house you're gaming at, if you are constantly like eating all of their food and snacks, please bring stuff too. It's just like common courtesy. Like they're already hosting you and there's like seven of you and you've just eaten everything in their house. Like, please bring replenishments. Everybody's like, Amber, that sounds like you're speaking from experience. My friends eat a lot, guys. <laughs> So we've, we've talked about aspects of the social contract a couple of times already, um, but kind of going alongside that, along with the, you know, respecting the people, respecting lines of veils, all that, what falls under, like, the player's responsibility? What kind of falls under that when you're playing a game? So, like, the game is a team effort. It's RPGs are collaborative storytelling games collaborative means like you are you have a portion of responsibility toward the the fun and enjoyment and effectiveness of this game just like the gm you can't leave it on the G the gm is not your personal monkey there to entertain mm -hmm. you like you need to create entertainment also you will get into this game what you, you will get out of this game what you put into it um so so do keep that in mind like if if you're mm -hmm. every day showing up to a game and you're bored is everybody else bored too or are do you have to look at yourself a little bit here? Like, are you on your phone? Are you paying attention? Do you give a yeah. crap about your own character? Like, you guys got to put forth some effort, some investment, like Sarah said. Um, and, and like, meet your DM halfway. Yeah, you see your DM going for something or setting something up. Like, you got to help them get there. Um, you can't be, like, constantly resistant. Uh, or um, sometimes, like, players, uh, they really want, like, if you want a sandbox game, make sure you actually want a sandbox game. A lot of people think they want sandboxes and then you get, you go, the DM turns around, what do you do? And nobody has any answers. If that's what that is, guess what? You don't actually want a sandbox. You want a plot to follow. So know, know thyself. Like, mm -hmm. are you incredibly proactive or do you want to buy into something presented to you? There's nothing wrong with either of those, but like most people are not both or at least not both at all times. Yeah, I would say, and then on the flip side of that, we've kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know if we fully talked to it, but we've, we've touched it a little bit is just, like you said, this is a collaborative game, right? So like, don't be the person either who's always stealing the show. Don't be the power gamer who's taking over everything. It's it's fine when, you know, nothing is going on and kind of you're taking lead and you're taking charge, but make sure you're looking for opportunities too for what your other players are trying to accomplish and don't just kind of overstep that. It's collaborative, so look for a balance in that. Be a fan of your fellow players. Want them to succeed as well. That's part of the entertainment you're going to get out of it. And that's what I was talking about before about kind of leaving your ego. Want yourself to fail sometimes for fun and flavor. <laughs> right. That makes it fun and interesting and it makes your character interesting. Uh, but also, you know, don't don't treat it like a movie or TV show. It's not a passive form of entertainment. You have to go in there. You have to be involved. But also... Like root for your friends. Like, you know, the, the best advice to give a DDM is be be a That's fan of the players. Too. Right. But it's the same thing with the players. Be a That's fan true. of be a fan of your other of your fellow players and a fan of your DM because they're putting a lot of work into this to to make sure that you have fun. So, like Amber said, if you see them going for something, you pick up something that they're throwing right. out. If they're giving bite you a plot hook, hook, especially if you're not doing anything better right hook. now. Don't ignore it. <laughs> bite it. Right, yeah, bite the hook is bite good. the hook, right? Actually, that was one of my notes yeah. was engage with the GM story and kind of mm -hmm. approach it let him know how it's 
you know, you're engaging with their story, you're, you're doing what they've planned, so everything's running more smoothly, and you can kind of engage with it for, as your character and give your GM ideas on how to then further reward your character in ways that they're going to be interested or give them hooks that they're he knows that they're going to bite or what or whatnot um and it creates a positive feedback loop yeah. good players will good players will yeah i'm sorry good players will give you more ideas than you will ever get on your own as a dm if you just sit back and watch what people do they will just you'll have endless piles from just the stuff that people come up with with their characters and the stuff that they show that they're interested um, in. And in an easy way to do that as a player, even if you're not sure um, kind of what you want and what big plots you want, say you're going through a dungeon, your GM will learn a lot about your character by what they are looking for and what actions they take. Uh, for example, if you go into a room and there's a bunch of books on the table and there's some armor over by the wall, you're going to see two different aspects of a character if they go straight towards the books or straight towards the armor. And that's something that without you saying it, that's you telling your GM what your character is about and what they're interested in. And so that could lead to a plot about, you know, either your character looking for this, like, old tome or this, like, magical sword that they're really interested in. Little things about your character can come from the smallest actions you take. Actually, that ties into another note that we had, which is think about your character as a member of a group and then think about that group in the terms of, you know, typical tropes for parties of that size. Uh, I have in my notes the four temperaments and the five-man band trope. You know what I mean? How there's always these roles in a group. There's nothing wrong with thinking about your character and that band of adventurers they're with and going, hey, wait a second. <laughs> you know, I kind of fulfill this role in the party and it can help encourage a certain kind of, you know, interaction you have with other members of the party or the role you take in certain uh, missions and things like that, quests. I love thinking about stuff like that. Like whenever I watch TV or think about my games, I'm always like, okay, that person's the Lancer, that person's the brains. You know what I mean? One of you is probably a joke. <laughs> yeah. Lean into that. Yeah. It can be great. I have been the joke in several groups and sometimes that's great. <laughs> yeah. If the campaign I've, calls for I've it. I've definitely done that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Want to use the joke. Everyone loves it. Well, Christian in Kids on Bikes literally played a, trope called the funny sidekick <laughs> you, you knew what he was going for you know mm -hmm. if you roll a lot of ones it's probably yep. you it's <laughs> great yep that's just the dice some of us are born to do that this that's is the ride you're in yeah. for Lean sometimes in. <laughs> sometimes right. you roll so poorly over such a long period of time it becomes a character trait yep which leads to another character trait which leads to you accidentally playing your first evil character and have a set of dice that you'll never touch again. Totally not from personal experience. I'd rather <laughs> Those dice are in a special <laughs> quiet place. That sounds like a great character. You can. Oh, she was amazing. She was awful. She was an asshole. She was evil. But God, I will always hold her fondly in my heart. <laughs> And the other players also remember her very well for it. 
Jess has played like truly horrible characters in that like they can accomplish nothing like both in that they are like horrible and that they also are inept which is a great combination like this is the worst person in this group this is a terrible person this would be oh this would be a huge problem if they could accomplish anything ever it's so no it's true it's very true (laughs) it's very true Snap. I remember the thing that I was trying to remember a while ago. Don't argue with your DM. Don't do that, please. That's one of the worst things you can possibly do. It's totally fine to be like, oh, oh, actually, I think think it's this, or I think it might be this. If your DM is questioning a rule, if you're like, hmm, how do I, like, if you know the rule, by all means, offer it once. (laughs) And if the DM wants to resolve that some other way, accept that shit and move on <laughs> please it is the gm's job is to keep the story moving and to arbitrate it in a way that just keeps the story moving keeps the plot moving keeps the characters moving but it, it's a game it's a game guys you can't you actually this is a game that you mm. cannot lose yes. like or win <laughs> so just yeah just go just go don't worry about it let it go don't argue <laughs> And if mistakes are made, just yeah, you know, just gonna say. put a pin in it and discuss it afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't grind mm-hmm. to a halt. Yep. Like, don't rules lawyer. It's okay don't to make a mistake. It's okay to make a mistake, yeah. but also it's okay to not follow the rules as written. No. If the rules as written, you know, aren't don't work for a situation. Yeah, aren't mm-hmm. the most satisfying option for Suck. your game. You know, I, yeah. I have a huge list of potential homebrew rules for my D and D games that I use with my home group, and I just sent them the substantial list of potential homebrew options uh as a google doc and just said hey which one of these are you interested in before we start this game and that was good too because it also gave the players information that they could use yeah it's an rpg you're not playing to win you're not playing to win (laughs) the journey is the point (laughs) yeah that was the thing that i forgot but i remembered it's a good one christian i think you wanted to pitch some books I have some recommendations. Yeah, I do. Um, so I'll give you two recommendations of things that I've read uh, that will help you as a player, I think, and even as a DM. Uh, the first one was a book I just, I have it to find because it popped up on my Amazon recommendations, which is called Play Unsafe, How Improvisation Can Change the Way You Role Play. And it's by Graham, uh, Graham Walmsley, W-A-L-M-S-L-E-Y. I'm sorry if I butchered his name. Uh, but it's a short book. It's only about 74 pages, but uh, it gets into some of the stuff I talked about, which is, you know, just kind of let go and don't be, don't have a script that you're running with and just, you know, be willing and present and allow things that just happen at the table. Uh, And then kind of researching where he came from when he wrote that book led me to another one, which isn't particularly designed for role-playing, but it's Impro, Improvisation in the Theater, and it's by Keith Johnstone which was actually the inspiration for Play Unsafe, uh, which is an excellent book about, guess what, improvisation. Guess what we do when we role play? We improv. Excellent. See, even in a game that's not, even in an episode that's not about games, we still have book recommendations. We're a bunch of nerds. (laughs) You (laughs) know? There's a book that I have. I think you had one too, though, Um, didn't you, Rainy? the monster version of it, but uh, if you're playing Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, it is pretty much strictly for D&D 5e, but Keith Ammon has a series of books called uh, The Monsters Know What They're Doing for GMs, how to tactically play your monsters 
in efficient ways. And he made another book called Live to Tell the Tale, which is combat tactics for players. Uh, I really like the monster version. I have not read the player version, but I do know the way that he writes these books feels very much like it's going to be a book that's going to teach you how to be an efficient player so you can focus on the role play. You know, you, you'll you know what your best tactical options are. Um, that's great. But that. That, sometimes that's very important in a game like D&D 5e. That's, you know, very helpful. But I do caution people to try not to become power gamers. Yeah, it's a very frustrating yeah. for a GM who's also in theory no trying fun. to create challenges for you. <laughs> this is they're not they're not getting paid most of the time, guys. <laughs> like they're doing this for free. I could record an entire episode about how the challenge rating system in Five E is not helpful at all, but I'm not going to do that. No, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, so another thing, kind of listening to what you guys are saying, another one of my favorite things is when players really think outside the box, when they're really creative with the type of solutions that they do. So feel free to just like be creative and just throw something out there, hopefully reasonable, but like, um, I mean, I don't know. I love it when my players like think of new ways to do things. When we decide that what this monster needs is to hug it out, oh, and then okay. it works. I, I was pretty upset about that, but it was a great moment. It, it was, was a great so moment. good. I had just prepped this beautiful, horrifying monster for like hours, hours. It was just this sad little girl ghost, and I was so excited because she was gonna just do so much damage, and I was so excited. And then my player just like hugged her, and like there was nothing I she could do. She needed a hug. I, there was nothing I could do at that point. I was like, okay, this is how we're solving this. Okay. That's she was like so draining good. his vitality, yeah. but he was just like hugging her, yeah. just letting her know, you know, like it wasn't your fault. None of this was your fault. That's so and it was great. It was, it was a beautiful moment. It was beautiful. It was just. I love that. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. Hug it out. <laughs> I know, because you put me in that exact situation Look, multiple times. I, uh, all I'm going to say is I successfully diplomacied in Cthulhu with multiple monsters. You know, like, you need a friend. <laughs> she, she really she was did. a doctor yep. and a momsy kind of woman and also happened to speak Latin and uh, it all worked in her favor. See, the opposite always happens to my characters. My characters try to offer people reasonable alternative solutions. They're like, actually, listen, you don't want to do this. What if we do this instead? And they're like, no, let's fight. And I'm like, and now I have to cut your head off. Like, why do you make me do this? It didn't have to be this way. <laughs> Just get my characters get so frustrated. Like, I tried to not have to kill you. And then you do this. <laughs> like, oh. Because were they reasonable alternatives? I'm not so sure. Uh when the other alternative is death, I would argue that any other solution I offer him is probably yeah, better. But they don't think they're going to die. They think they're better than you. Yeah, yeah. They must learn their place. <laughs> I I cannot wait to hear. We did an episode of stories of just Amber and Jess's games. <laughs> I games. We've been playing a long time. Yeah, I really. We have. <laughs> There's a lot we of history have, there. You oh, can God. Play. Playing consistently, like, twice a week for, like, years. Awesome. <laughs> in summary, don't be a dick. Invest in the game. Put forth actual effort into yourself, your fellow players, and the plot. Be hygienic and considerate when it comes to logistical things like snacks and hygiene. Don't harass people. 
and uh, remember that it's a game. It's a game that it's it's a game that you play not to win. You play to have a good time. So be respectful and have fun with your friends. Well, yep. on that. That's what it's all about. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of Modified Roles. Uh, if you enjoy it, consider subscribing and listening to other episodes of the podcast. It's pretty cool. You can also catch us on twitch.tv slash dmsafterdark every other Friday, sometime between 6.30 and 7 p.m. EST. We don't know. Uh, you can catch up with us on all of the social medias at dmsafterdark. And you can also email us at dmsafterdark at gmail.com if you'd like to reach out to us one-on-one. We will see all lovely folks around. Uh, Don't be a dick and keep playing games. Bye! Bye! Like, read the reviews on Van Richen's Guide to Ravenloft, all the angry ones, and don't be that. <laughs> and you know, unfortunately, the thing about Troy, too, is he always makes these ridiculous characters, and you're always like, oh, God, this is cool. And then he's like, he's gold. <laughs> <laughs>